I'm ready to receive it. How about you? Let's give him a good Bendale welcome. This pulpit again this morning. God bless you, brother. Love you. Appreciate you. Well, somebody give God praise on Sunday morning. Come on, somebody give him praise on Sunday morning. He's a great God. He's a worthy God. He's a holy God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, the book of Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. We will begin reading in verse 15. And uh, while you're turning there, let me say how glad I am to be in Mississippi. And uh, I love Bendale. And uh, I leaned over to Brother Moore earlier while we were praying. I said, you know, I'm a whole lot happier to be in Bendale than I would have been to be in Bakersfield, California today. And uh, just at least we got pine trees and stuff. All they got is desert and homeless people. And uh, God help them. They need the Holy Ghost too. I've been praying God give us revival in the homeless community. But it ain't happened yet. But I'm just, matter of fact, got my window smashed. That's I guess that's what you get for praying for that kind of stuff. But what my window is a rental, so I guess it didn't hurt my feelings none. But uh, they just better be glad I wasn't in that Chevrolet because I had to figure something out then. No, but I love you, brother Moore, and I'm so honored to be here. Thank you. Uh, every time I have an opportunity, I love to come to Bendale. In Romans chapter eight and verse fifteen, for ye have not received the spirit of bondage again. Everyone say again, unto fear. But ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Amen. You have not received the spirit of bondage again. I'm not going back to the stuff I used to be in. But ye have received the spirit of adoption. Uh, when Paul was writing to the Ephesian church, he tells them that sometimes you were not a people, but now you are a people. And uh, I'm glad to know that today. I just want to talk to you today, uh, simple thought, simple title, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. How many are glad to know who your father is? Amen. Let's pray together. God, we love you. We praise you. We worship you. Give you glory. Give you thanks. Give you honor today. We praise you because we know that you are here. You are working in our midst and we ask you lord right now that you would have your way in this house let the anointing of the holy ghost flow through this house from the front to the back and side to side touch us and change us and challenge us fill somebody today with the gift of the holy ghost in jesus name we pray amen would you give the lord a hand clap of praise hallelujah Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Blessed be your name, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. You may be seated in the fear of the Lord. Today we're going to start and uh, just kind of reverse engineer this, if you will, and uh, work backwards so that we can work forwards. Um, and, and with that in mind, I would like to turn your attention back if we go from Romans into the Old Testament to the book of 2 Samuel where David is 
has a burden to bring the ark of God back to its rightful place. And as he does that, the Bible says it is with shouting and the sounds of a trumpet. They come after watching David go every six paces, the word of the Lord says, and he would sacrifice oxen and fatlings unto the Lord. And so some say over 20 miles, six paces, and I've, I've looked at the research and time gone past, and, and, and honestly it's a bunch of useless knowledge, but I can't remember it now, but uh, you asked me this afternoon, I'll probably remember it. Uh, but uh, the, the hundreds of thousands of gallons of blood that was shed that day uh, from these animals that David is uh, sacrificing unto the Lord. Y'all awake this morning? All right, just making sure. Hallelujah. And, and so as he does this, he's, he's walking towards the place that God has for him to go, and he's bringing the ark of God back to its rightful place. And there's, there's a lot of preaching. There's a lot of shouting. There's a lot of running the aisles and all of those wonderful things that happen when the ark of God comes home. But uh, I, I want to take a few moments and tell you the more dreadful side of the story, and it's uh, I, I know I've preached some along these lines here in time gone past, but just hear me out for a minute. It's, it's here that, that we see this, this side of the story that's not quite as pretty. It's not, it's not as, uh, it doesn't give us as much of a reason to shout about. That's, that's the story of how the ark of God was lost, and the ark of God was lost because of disobedience. The ark of God was lost because of sin. The ark of God was lost because somebody had an ego and they couldn't get their ego in check. And so God begins to speak and God tells Eli in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 11, he says, in other words, he says, I'm going to cause the ear of everyone that hears what I'm going to do, it's going to cause their ear to tingle. I'm, I'm going to do some dreadful things. I'm going to tell you today, God's a God that's full of mercy, and, and, and we thank him for that, and we praise him for that. But he can be a God of judgment too. Well, help us, Jesus. He, he can be a God that gets kind of upset about stuff. And, and I know, I know we, we understand dispensations, and dispensation really isn't a good word. I don't like to use the word, but uh, for lack of a better word, sometimes we use an Old Testament dispensational God and the New Testament dispensational God. But I, I, I don't agree with that in the terms of the Old Testament God and in the New Testament God are two different gods in the fact of the way that they think and the way that they work and, and, and all of those things. Let me tell you, the New Testament gods hate sin just as much as the Old Testament God does. He's the same God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And, and it, it has not changed because of the way uh, that he operates and he deals with sin. But, however, we understand that he's still that same God and he still has the same issues with sin. And so we see here that God turns his people over and he uh, allows his people to go into a place to where uh, they are in the battle of their life. And there is something that happens here that, that I don't have time to preach about, but I will simply mention, and that is the fact that when they go out to battle, they go out to fight against their enemies. The Bible says that the ark of God, they fetch it from Shiloh, and, and when they bring the ark of God into the tent, 
that they had set up for it that the people began to shout and they began to give God praise because the ark of God had came in but what they did not realize is there was sin in the camp and so that this is different. God doesn't move like he always moved. Every other time when the ark of God came in, God delivered, but not this time. Every other time, God, God delivered them from their enemies. God killed their enemies. God, God pushed back the hand of their oppressor, but that doesn't happen this time. This time, God says, I'm going to let you go ahead with your bad self. You think you, you, think you can handle it? Go ahead. And so then this story, we find that the people of God have went up and they begin to fight in Aphek. And when they do, the Philistines, have a, they're, they're, they're giving them a, just a good old-fashioned beat down. And as they do, this ark of God comes in and nothing changes. I'm going to tell you, I don't want to fight the battles that I have to fight on my own. That's where they found themselves. They found themselves because of the things that they had done, having to try to face things that they could not face on their own. Because I'm going to tell you, you can read a lot in the Bible about um, the Philistines, and you can read a lot about how they get, they get pushed around by God's people. But the truth of the matter is, is these guys weren't anything to play with. They, 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 were strong, they were a strong people. They were a people that had many numbers and many warriors. And it is here that we see that these people began to overtake God's people. They, they pushed them back. They killed them. And the Bible says that in that one battle, 30,000 people lost their lives in one battle. We see that everything, everything that had come against them began to compile to the point where they could just not hold up until 30,000 men died in one battle. I want you to know something. That's a lot of people in one battle. Can you think, just, just I, I'm going to preach in a minute. We're talking right now. Can, can you imagine being on the battlefield that day as 30,000 people passed from this life? 30,000 people that were warriors. and the, these, Now, these just ain't any people. These are God's people. And it, it, it'd be kind of easy to get bitter over that. It'd be kind of easy to say, God, I, I thought we were your people. 30,000 men died, and on top of that, they lost the Ark of the Covenant. That's an issue. Now they don't have a way to get in, in touch with God. Now they don't have a way to sprinkle the blood upon the mercy seat and to get sin rolled back for another year. Now it just begins to compile upon them. 30,000 men and the Ark of the Covenant is gone. And so here, here's the story. This is the story of, this is the darker side of the story. This is the side of the story we don't like to think about. But the truth of the matter is, in order to have victory, in order to have a testimony, there has to be the dark side of the story. There has to be the trial. There has to be the test. And this is the test for God's people here. We see 30,000 men have died, and they have lost the ark of God. And so David begins to bring the ark of God back into its rightful place. And as he does, he's, sing he's singing, he's shouting, and he's dancing because we're, we're finally putting all of that behind us. We're finally getting to a place to where God is walking with us and God is talking with us again. His favor is back upon us. Now, God's not mad at us anymore. Well, you talk about a reason to shout. David had a reason to shout. God ain't mad. 
This is a good day. And so David does what David always does. He, he begins to sing and shout and give God praise. And as he's dancing through the streets, the Bible tells us that he begins to write songs. And as he does, we find them. Uh, we can correlate them and do the research and find that he begins to write a song that we can find in Psalms chapter 68. And he begins to sing with these words, Let God arise, let his enemies be scattered. Let them also that hate him flee before him as smoke is driven away so drive them away as wax melteth before the fire so let the wicked perish at the presence of God but let the righteous be glad let them rejoice before God yea let them exceedingly rejoice he said don't just get happy about it get really happy about it it's a day to shout it's, it's Sunday morning at the house of God and the choir singing the ark of God is home and as David says that. He says, sing praises unto God. Sing praises to his name. Him that rideth upon the heavens by his name, Yah, and rejoice before him. And as David is singing these songs, something begins to happen to the people. They begin to follow him as he sings. They begin to shout with him. The Bible tells us that there are handmaidens that are dancing with him in the streets. There are trumpeters that are playing their trumpets, and there are harpers that are playing their harps. It's strike up the band. It's a good day to be a part of God's people. And as David begins to sing these songs, I, I know because of the nature of his writings, we can see it. His mind goes back and he begins to write and sing. But he thinks about all of the things that have happened, how over 27 and a half years have went by since the ark of God has been lost. And 27 and a half years, Years have went by and 30,000 men lost their life in one day and so he understands that these men had children most probably these children are in the streets with him and so David begins to write to these people and he begins to sing a song to them and he tells them this he says God he's talking about God that is that drives out his enemies and then he says he is a father of the fatherless and a judge of the widows is God in his holy habitation. David here has a New Testament revelation that your your earthly father has died. Your earthly father died in a tragic accident and I, I can't do anything about that. But David is there that day to introduce them to a God that is not just a God of the heavens but he's a God of the earth. He's not just a God that sits on his throne and watches as as the earth turns round but he's a God of the people and he says let me tell you something you might have lost your daddy but you got a heavenly father that's sitting upon his throne and he knows where you are and he knows what you're going through I've come to tell somebody on a Sunday morning I don't know if your world is barren I don't know if your world is twisted into knots I don't know what in what is happening in your life but this thing I know we have a father we have a master we have a savior that knows where we are and he knows what we're going through and let me just tell you friend he's with you in the middle of what you're going through I know it's Sunday morning and everything's just kind of coming to the end of the week but let me tell you even though you're carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders I 
you've got a reason to rejoice because your father, your daddy, your God will make a way where there is no way. Hallelujah. These people have grown up in fear. These people have grown up in oppression. You go uh, uh, understand how hard it is in an Old Testament point of view to live without a father. Understand, they, they, they've probably been on the streets. You can go to the book of Numbers and Leviticus and, and Exodus and, and Deuteronomy, and it, it, it speaks of them in all of those books. But God literally tells his people, when you get into your land and you plant your crops, you're not allowed to harvest the corners. He said, because that's for the stranger that dwells in the land. And you begin to look at the stranger, and it literally translates as orphans. He says, you, 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 can, you can cut your crops, but you make sure you leave about a half acre on each corner. And the purpose of that is there, if there is someone that doesn't have a father, someone that can provide for them, if there's someone that, that is growing up and they, are, they don't have a home because their father has passed away or their father has left, understand that, that I am their God, and I'm commanding you that you leave the corners for the orphans, for the children that have that have no one to provide for them. And that, that was God letting them know way back then before they ever became an orphan. David says it here though. He says he's a father of the fatherless and a judge of the widows. David is letting them know there, there's some food in the corners of the fields for you. You know you may feel left out because you're not a part of the church quote unquote. You may feel left out because you're not a part of the body of Christ. But understand that it's a whole field and it's got corners with your name on it because God is a provider of his people. God is a provider for his children. Yeah. Hallelujah. That's why the Bible tells us in the book of Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19 that my God shall supply all of your needs. I don't know what you need on Sunday morning, but I've come to tell you, you got a reason to rejoice in the house of God because my God is a provider. My God is a way maker. My God is a God that can show up in the midnight. Oh, come on, somebody. You're looking at midnight. You're looking at your problem and you can't see any way out. You can't see any way through. I've come to introduce you today. There's a man named Jesus and he is your way out and he is your way through and he is your way over. And if you need anything, you can tell your God and your God will make a way out of no way. Let me tell you about Jesus. In the Old Testament, he, he, he was the provider that would bring water from a rock. He would bring bread down out of heaven. The Bible's, now, now listen to this. I've, I've been around the ocean a little bit. And I, I've, I've been out, you know, pretty far out there, 15, 20 miles. The only kind of bird that I can find out there that far is seagulls. Can't find any other kind of bird. But what's interesting to me, Brother Moore, is when, when, when you read the word of God and the Bible says that God's people began to ask for meat, the Bible says that God caused a wind to blow from the sea. God found quail. I don't know how God found quail in the ocean. <laughs> you, you get out there 20, 30 miles. You ain't going to find no quail out there. Quail like, 
like to be down in the grass. But God took a wind and blew quail out of the sea. I'm just to help you right here. You ready? This is to you. For those of you that don't understand what I'm preaching right now. And if God can blow quail out of the ocean, don't you think he can take care of you? Bread out of heaven? Birds out of the water? Don't you think he can make a way for you? If, if he can... If he can go into a fiery furnace and say it might be seven times hotter, but you don't understand, that's my baby in there. God says you might be in a fire, but you're not the first one to be in a fire. I'm in it with you. He's the God that can make the clothes on your back grow. He can make your shoes on your feet stretch. He can... He can, in the New Testament, uh, he fed 5,000 uh, with just two fish and five loaves. Uh, don't you know uh, your situation uh, is nothing for God? Uh, don't you know uh, your sickness uh, is nothing for God? Uh, don't you know uh, your struggle uh, is nothing for God? Uh, he is our father. Uh, he is our provider. Uh, he is our way maker. Why I'm on the subject of talking about this bird business. He told Elijah, he said, you go and you go to a brook that is called Cherith. And I will sustain thee there. And every day, every day, I'm going to show you how we are. You got to understand that a raven in the Old Testament is a dirty bird. Can't eat him. You know why? Because he eats other dead things. You don't believe me? You ride down the roads of South Mississippi. Let <laughs> somebody's dog get run over. There's crows everywhere. You, you, God says, you can't eat this, but I'm going to use the thing. Watch this. I'm going to use the thing that you can't eat to feed you. The prosperity of the wicked is laid up, I'm, I'm going to preach this, for the righteous. God says, you know what, you don't need to be hanging out with that raven. You don't need to be touching the raven. But I'm going to use the raven to bless you. I, if the preacher can show up at the brook, I understand. We think of this as Old, Test Old Testament terms, and we think, well, you know, God just took a raven and he fed him. No, that has a New Testament application, and understand that that's, that's a type and a shadow of God saying, I'm going to take the people that was supposed to kill you. I'm going to take the people that talk bad about you. I'm going to take the people that said, I don't want anything to do with you, and, and, and they're dirty and they're unclean, and, and they've got all kind of bad things to say about the church uh, and when I get done working it all out uh, they're going to be the ones writing the check to pay for the new building uh, when, when I get done working it all out uh, I'm going to take the raven uh, and make the raven bring you your meal Elijah I'm so much of a provider that you can show up uh, in the middle of a desert uh, and I'll make a raven find you where you are now, I'm, I'm just going to tell you this is what I believe. It, it, I, know, I don't have Bible to back it. I don't have Bible to back it up, but you don't have Bible to disprove it. So, there. I don't know 
where that raven was getting his food from. The Bible said he had meat and bread. I just wonder, this is me, I just wonder if that raven hadn't been going by the king's house every day. Now, I, I, don't, I don't know how a raven can bring meat and bread unless he got it all in the same place. I wonder if the king had him a packed lunch. And God said, I got me a preacher. And every day that bird would come by the king's table and say, thank you, because the preacher needs that. You, you, you think God's just going to give you leftovers? Because that's what a raven typically eats. You, you think God's just going to give you a little here and a little? That ain't the kind of God I serve. I, I, I don't serve a God that gives leftovers. I serve a God, we got the best because he gives the best. He knows how to give gifts to his children. He even tells us in the New Testament when he's teaching the Sermon on the Mount. He says, and if you know how to give gifts to your children, if your children ask for a piece of bread, would you give him a serpent? Or would you give him a rock? And he asked for a gift, would you give him a serpent? He said, and if you being evil, how much more would your father which is in heaven? He said, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, just understand, I know how to give good gifts to my children. And I know how to show up. You might not can always make ends meet and you might not can make a way but I'm God and I can make a way even where there is no way you might not have any food in your kitchen any money in your banking account and you feel like I don't have a reason to shout and dance on Sunday morning yes you do he's Abba Father he's all I need he's my Alpha and my Omega he's my beginning and my end my prayer when I'm hungry, my water when I'm thirsty, everything I need, that's who my God is. I just come to encourage somebody today and just remind you my God is still able to provide. My God is still, I know I've said it three or four times. I'm going to say it three or four more by the time I get done today. He's still a God that can make a way where there is no way. He's a God that knows exactly what we need. Let me just ask you a question. How many times has he done it before? Woo, we don't like talking about that. We like whining about what he ain't done yet. Let's just be honest. Come on, it's, it's our human flesh ideas that God ain't done it yet. Woe is me. God don't love me. God don't care about me. God ain't worried about me. I, I, I keep on crying and God ain't answered yet. Well, how many times has he done it before? And if he did it before, he'll do it again. Because he's that same God and he still has that same power and he's still... Honey, if you think God's banking accounts like the government uh, and it's going down in debt, you are sadly mistaken. Uh, the Bible says he owns the cattle of a thousand hills. And yet he owns the hill. He the earth is the Lord's uh, and the fullness uh, thereof. Uh, if you need it, uh, God's got it. Uh, if you need joy, uh, God's got joy. Uh, if you need peace, uh, God's got peace. Uh, if Whatever you need from the Lord, if you'll ask him, he will provide. If you'll ask him, he'll do it. 
He's a provider. He's a way maker. And let me just tell you something else about the Lord. The Bible tells us He is our Father. You have not received the spirit of bondage again. You used to live that life. But you don't have to go back into that life. Because He is our Father. And, and, and there's this deal with fear. This, this, this fear deal that, that, that will come against you and try to... Uh, let, let's just be real again. Let, let, let's talk about it, how we all have to live with it. You get a pain in your body, and before you can even pick up your phone to ask Google what it is, the devil already has you convinced it's terminal cancer. You, you, you get a headache, and all of a sudden the devil's got you convinced you got a brain tumor. You, oh, help me, Jesus. I know I'm preaching the truth. You get an unexpected bill and all of a sudden the devil's got you convinced you're fixing a half, half to file bankruptcy. And we'll get in this still and we'll come to church and we'll praise God, but we'll praise him from fear instead of faith. Because, oh God, if you don't make a way, I'm praising you because it's, I'm trying to get your attention, God, because if you don't do it, it ain't going to get done. Well, let me just tell you, if he wasn't going to do it, it wasn't going to get done anyway. And, and, and it's a problem with us as, as Pentecostal people. We've learned how to praise from fear that maybe if I just get his attention, he'll work it out. Well, tell me, let me tell you something. If you would just praise him from faith, even if he don't, Oh, well, I'm still going to praise him. Yeah, our God's able to bring us out of the fiery furnace. Well, what if he don't? Oh, well, I'm still not bowing. I'm still going to give him praise because I'm not living for God because of fear. I'm living for God because of faith. And I understand that my faith in him can move mountains. I understand that my faith in him will get his attention in the midnight hour. God will turn it around. God will come down and protect you. Well, if, 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 you know, if, if we don't just get a breakthrough, I'm going to tell you something. You need to come to church every service and say, I need a breakthrough. Well, I had three people believe what I'm saying. The rest of y'all sitting there still thinking about what you need a breakthrough from. No, you need a breakthrough every service. You need a breakthrough to the Holy Ghost every service. You need to get to the place where you understand it, it ain't about what's going on at the job. It ain't about what's going on in my house. It's about Jesus. It's about magnifying him. And if I can't get a breakthrough, then, then I'm coming back. And I, well, you know what? I'm not coming back. I'm not leaving until I get a breakthrough. Every service, I need a breakthrough because I know that my God can show up and give me a breakthrough. He's a provider, and, and, and he tells us, I, I'm your father. I'm, 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 I'm a God that can show up and make a way. He tells us, you have not received that spirit again of bondage. You don't have to go back into bondage of fear, but, but you need to know who you are and who I am, and when you know who you are, 
and you know who I am, then you can understand that it doesn't matter how, how hot the battle gets. I'm not just your provider. I'm not just a God that shows up and makes a way out of no way. I'm a God that will protect you from your enemies. As the Bible tells us time and time again, you read through Deuteronomy. You read through Exodus as God's people are leaving a land of bondage. Here's the type and shadow here. I, re- I told y'all we were reverse engineering this. Romans tells us you have not received the spirit of bondage again. You don't have to go back into bondage again. It's the same people. They're coming out of Egypt and God is telling them you don't have to go back into bondage again. So when you come into the land and you face the oppressor, understand that I am the Lord your God that doth go before you and make every crooked place straight. And when you see your enemies, and he even tells them, he says when you see them and they're bigger than you, and there's more of them than there are of you, and they've got chariots, and they've got horses, and they've got swords, and they've got spears. He looked at them and he said, be not afraid of them for I am the Lord your God that doth go with you. I've come to tell you you don't have to go to Egypt back into bondage and you don't have to live in bondage in the promised land. You don't have to live in bondage at all because your daddy, your God, your father, he's able to push back against the enemy of your soul. When the enemy... Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. I'm sure you've probably heard it before, but you're about to hear it again. When you read that in Isaiah, when you read it and you begin to understand exactly what he's saying, you have to go to the Old Testament uh, uh, or to the original language, actually. Forgive me. And when you get into the original language, you'll understand that there's actually a mistake when it was translated from Hebrew into English there. And it's not a mistake in what it says. It's a mistake in punctuation. And in the Old Testament, in in the original text, he says, when the enemy comes in, there's a comma. When we read it in the New Testament, or in in the English language, it reads, when the enemy comes in like a flood, comma, the Spirit of the Lord shall raise up a standard against it. So it separates the statement, but in the in the original text, he says, when the enemy comes in, comma. So, well, what does that change? That changes everything. Because when you read it in the English, you understand the punctuation being messed up. Go, go study it out. You'll, you'll know I'm telling the truth. And, and again, they didn't mess up the words. They just messed up the punctuation. And, and when you read it like it says it in the English, it literally says that the enemy's coming in like a flood. When the enemy comes in like a flood. But when you read it in the original text, it reads... When the enemy comes in, comma, like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord changes everything because now the enemy's not coming in like a flood. The Spirit of the Lord is coming in like a flood. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. That's why I'm not afraid. You want to know why I can lay down at night and don't have to worry about what's going to happen tomorrow? Because when the enemy comes in, like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord is going to raise up a standard against him. When the enemy of my soul comes against me, God comes in so fast and overwhelms the devil and says, no, that's my child. That's my people. And you're not going to overrun them. You're not going to overtake them. I've got my 
God. I've got an anointing on their life. I've got a calling on their life. Hey, I've come to tell you I'm not afraid of the arrows by day or the shadows by night because my God can my God can protect me from the arrow and from the shadow. There's this deal. There's this smart aleck side of Jesus that I love. I, I, when, when, every now and again when I feel that smart aleck come up in me, I just realize I'm just trying to be a little bit more like Jesus. There's a smart aleck side of Jesus shows up in Matthew chapter 4. It's the enemy tempts him, tells him all these things, and you know the story, get behind me, Satan. He does it again, get behind me, Satan. Third time, he brings him up to an exceeding high mountain. And as he does, he's looking out over the kingdoms of the world. And Satan tempts him and says, if you bow down to me, I'll give you all of this. Watch. And he says, thou shalt not tempt. Y'all remember that part? The Lord thy God. That's so smart, Alec. Now, how's that smart, Ellie? Jesus, being God manifest in the flesh, is looking at the devil and saying, don't forget who made you. Mm -mm. Devil, don't forget that the same God that created me created you too. And just, just so you know, devil, I'm on his side. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. He's not just the God of over me and over the earth and over all the apostolic people. He... He's a God over the devil. He's a God over the devil worshipers. He's a God over the witches and warlocks. He's a God. That's why we can't lose. Now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph. I've come to tell you today, you need to be strong and be of good courage. Fear not and fear not. Fear not and be not afraid of them. For the Lord thy God doth go with thee to fight for thee. He will not fail thee. He will not forsake thee. You ain't got to go back to that lying devil that tells you just because you made one mistake, now you're addicted again. Uh-uh. I'm not going back to the bondage. I'm, I've not received bondage again. I'm not going back into bondage again. I have a promised land that God has for me. I have a father that's paying attention to where I am. I have a God that knows what I'm going through. That God, David's writing, and he says, this poor man cried unto the Lord, and he delivered him out of my trouble. Ooh, I feel the Holy Ghost. I'm trying to quit, I promise. Y'all got to go eat Sunday lunch. And I know that. But I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel like telling somebody today, you just need to open up your mouth and cry a little bit. You, you, you just need to tell the Lord what you need. You need to, there, there's this thing about God. Now, uh, it's, I, oh, help me, Jesus. I'm, not, I'm trying not to chase all these rabbits, but they're everywhere. There's this thing about God that wants you to tell him what you need. Now, Jesus is God manifest in the flesh, and every time he works a miracle, almost every time, it's, it's very rare. Somebody cries out, blind Bartimaeus. He calls him. He says, hey, boy, what do you want? He said, master, that I might receive my sight. He's God. He already knew he was blind. 
He already knew that. Jarius shows up. Says, what do you need? He already knew. He said, my daughter needs to be raised. You, you, can, you can read about every, just about, not all of them, but there's a lot of miracles in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that are done. And Jesus, before he works the miracle, he asks them, what do you need? He already knew what they needed. He wants to know, do you know what you need? Because sometimes we try to fix the wrong problem. Ooh, I feel like preaching that a minute. Well, if, if I just, what do you need? Well, I need, I need a bigger blessing. No, you don't need a bigger blessing. You don't need a better paying job. You need to learn how to pay your tithes and offering. Well, well I, 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 need, I, need, I need a better wife. No, you don't. You need to learn how to fix you and the wife you got will start treating you different. I need, I need a better husband. No, no, you don't. You need to learn how to fix you. And so if you can ever learn how to fix, do you, do you even know what you need? Do you even know what the problem is? Because when you figure out what the problem is uh, and you tell him what the problem is, immediately you can receive the miracle for what's actually wrong. We get, we, we get out of shape, been out of shape because God knows what we need. But, but we need to understand he's asking us for us to speak. And we're going to talk about that tonight. I already know which direction the Lord's been talking to me about it. He, he wants to know, are, are you brave enough to speak it out of your mouth? Well, it sounds impossible. I, I, I need my sight. And I've been, I've been born blind and I need my sight. That's impossible. Is it? For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Well, I've, I've got a terminal illness that the doctor says there's no hope. Yeah, they're right. In man's medicine, there is no hope. But we don't work on the same playing field as they do. We don't live in the same world they live in. We live in a different world. We live in a world where we've been praying, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, allow us to mirror what heaven looks like. This, that's why David would say it. This poor man cried unto the Lord, and he delivered him out of his trouble. you you, you got to get the proper analogy today that God is not attracted to your trouble. There's been trouble in the earth ever since the beginning of the fall of man from the garden. There's been trouble from Genesis chapter 3 on all the way to right now. The trouble don't bother God. Trouble ain't never bothered God. Trouble ain't ever going to bother, bother God. You want to know what gets God attention? It ain't your trouble. It ain't your trial. It ain't your tribulation. Uh, David tells us in the trouble, in the trial, in the tribulation, uh, this poor man cried unto the Lord. Uh, and let me just tell you, you can't just call out. You got to cry out uh, because calling out ain't going to get you nowhere. Calling out is just... Oh, Jesus, I need a miracle. But crying out says, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Maybe if you stopped calling out and started crying out, you could get your miracle. Musicians, come, I'm closing. Galatians chapter 4, verse 6. He writes to the church at Galatia the same things. He writes to the church at Rome and he says, And because ye are sons, God has sent you forth the spirit of his sons in your hearts. This is how you're going to know that you're a son. You're no longer a servant. Now you're a son. Time gone past, you were a servant. You were a servant to sin. You were a servant to depression. You were a servant to the things of this world. But now 
You are a son. Sent forth the spirit of the son into your hearts. That's a whole other message. I don't have time to preach it. Crying, Abba, Father, wherefore thou art no more a servant. Here it is. But a son. And if a son, if a son, he says, if you've got the right stuff on the inside of you, you're no longer a servant. You're a son. And if you are a son, you are joint heirs. Heirs. Heirs through Christ. You know what that means? Everything that this word of God says that I can have, I can have. Because of my heavenly Father. Every Now look, I'll be honest with you, there's some promises in here I don't want. You, you, don't, you don't believe me, go read the hinder part of Deuteronomy chapter 14. You don't want none of that. Cursed shall you be, and cursed shall you be that body, and that field, and that storehouse, and all that. I don't want none of that. There's some good promises in there, though. And he says, everything you ask in my name. You know who he is? He said, if, 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 you, if y'all stand with me. If y'all don't, I'll, I'll preach longer. He says, if you ask in my name, you're an heir. And because you're an heir, you're going to receive it. Because you are my child. I'm glad to know I'm a child of the king today. I I, I know you don't have it all together, neither do I. And I know your world ain't perfect, neither is mine. But let me just tell you, one thing we got going for us, and that's when we lay our head down at night, we can call on our Heavenly Father. And He is faithful and He is just to hear the cries of His children. Come on, does anybody have a need here today that you just want to take before the Lord? I want to challenge you right now to step out of the aisle and step up to the front of the church and lift your hands and just begin to tell your Father what you need. Come on, if you need manna while you're in the wilderness, tell him I, I need some manna. If you need quail, tell him what you need because whatever you ask from the Lord, he said, I will do it. I'm here to tell you right now, God is still in the prayer answering business. God is still in the way making business. God is still able. Come on, as they sing, somebody ought to lift their voice and just thank God that he's a God that hears us when we pray. Jesus on the main line, tell him what you want. Jesus on the main line, tell him what you want. Jesus is on the main line, so tell him what you want. Jesus on the main line now, say. Jesus on the main line, tell him what you want. Jesus on the main line, just tell him what you want. Jesus on the main line, tell him what you want. Jesus on the main line now, say. Jesus, Jesus on the main line. Tell him what you want, Jesus on the main line. You gotta tell him what you want. Tell him what you want, Jesus on the main line. Just tell him what you want. Tell him what you want right now. But you gotta call him up, call him up and tell him what you want. You got to call him up, call him up and tell him what you want. You got to call him up, just call him up and tell him what you want. 
Tell him what you want right now. Calls by Jesus on the main line. Tell him what you want. Jesus on the main line. Just tell him what you want. Jesus on the main line. Tell him what you want. Tell him what you want right now. Well, if you need a miracle, tell him what you want. If you need a miracle, just tell him what you want. If you need a miracle, just tell him what you want. Tell him what you want right now. If you need a blessing, tell him what you want. And if you want a blessing, just tell him what you want. If you want a blessing, just tell him what you want. Tell him what you want right now. Cause my Jesus on the main line. Tell him what you want. Jesus on the main line, just tell him what you want. Tell him what you want. Jesus on the main line. Tell him what you want. Jesus on the main line. If you want the Holy Ghost, you gotta tell him what you want. If you want the Holy Ghost, you gotta tell him what you want. Speak and say, if you want the Holy Ghost, just tell him what you want. Tell him what you want right now. But you've got to call him up. Call him up and tell him what you want to. Call him up and call him up. Tell him what you want. You gotta call him up. Call him up and tell him what you want. Tell him what you want right now. If you need the Holy Ghost, tell him what you want. If you need a miracle, Tell him what you want. If you want the Holy Ghost, just tell him what you want. Tell him what you want right now. Well, if you need a healing, tell him what you want. If you need a healing, tell him what you want. If you need your healing, just tell him what you want. Tell him what you want right now. But you must call him up. Call him up and tell him what you want. You got to call him out. You got to tell him what you want. Call him up and tell him what you want. Tell him what you want. Lord, I know my Jesus is on the main line. Tell him what you want. Jesus on the main line. Just tell him what you want. Tell him what you want. Jesus on the main line. Tell him what you want. Tell him what you want right now. But you gotta call him up. Call him up. Tell him what you want. You gotta call him up. Call him up. Cry aloud. Call him up. Call him up and tell him what you want. Tell him what you want right now. Call my Jesus on the main line. Tell him what you want. He's listening. He's here. He's among us. He's ready. He's willing to save us. Jesus on the main line now. Come on, what do you need this morning? What do you want? What do you desire? Hell, cry aloud, cry to the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. If you need a miracle, and if you need the Holy Ghost, if you need a blessing, oh, tell 
what you want right now. Pass some more. Jump on him, Jesus. Hallelujah. And what a word of God we've heard here this morning. So this morning, are you going to make up in your mind of what power you're going to walk in and live in? Immediately when he read the scriptures, the Holy Ghost prompted me and said, why don't you walk in your adoption powers and not your own? Because we've been adopted into this. And it's not by our powers, but I have a right by adoption to call on my heavenly father that all power in heaven and earth is in that name. I'm going to start walking in the adopted powers I've got. Amen. It came from none other but Jesus Christ. I'm just I'm glad to be adopted this morning. I'm going to preach that. That's a message, folks. That's just a thought. I just advertised a little message I'm going to preach to you. Because I thought about Michael. <laughs> Amen. He's going to walk by a different name on this earth. It's a Shaw name now. But he's adopted not only by an earthly family, but I believe there's a heavenly father that wants to adopt him. And I believe there's a power he can walk in. The devil thought he had him. The devil thought he's going to swallow him up. But oh no. Amen. A different adoption. They just got invited in. By the way, hell's trying to shut this adoption center down. You and I got to make up in our minds it's not going to happen. A lot of religion says you don't need the Holy Ghost. They shut the adoption centers down. And then they weren't in the trouble they're in because they never got adopted. You can't have no power unless you become adopted. You got to be born again into this, honey. You got to be adopted to take on the name, take on the power and the ability and the light to walk in. You and I got to be adopted. I'm thankful for the adoption of Jesus Christ. Man, what a message he has preached in this house today. We'll let that just kind of Anchored down into our hearts, our minds, and spirit. I'm telling you, we'll walk different. We'll leave this house different. We'll come back to this house tonight different. Amen. I believe the adopting powers of God, amen, is going to be unfolded in this house tonight. How about you? Amen. (laughs) I believe there's some angels ready, amen, to write your name down in that that book of life, the adopting book, if you don't mind. (laughs) tonight. Love you. Appreciate you. God bless you. Uh, they're going to have any practice this evening. Everybody don't think. Okay. All right. Love you. Appreciate you. 530 prayer time, 6 o'clock service time. Come back expecting a good move of God. God bless you.